Hey, DJ, I saw Oppenheimer. It was strange, though. It had a lot of pink in it. It had Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, and there were no nuclear explosions. And I saw the Barbie movie, which is about three hours of a guy building the bomb. Hollywood is strange. We're a couple of guys who like to watch movies. Cinema nerds who made it our duty to make a show where we break down, discuss, and review. We're the men who watch movies. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Men Who Watch Movies. My name is Alec. And my name's DJ the Movie Man Wagner, also known as the CUE of The Men Who Watch Movies. And with me is the Vice President... Would you give a big, big movie man welcome to El Castrojon? <laughs> That's my name. Don't wear it out. We have another great episode for you today. We're going to talk about the phenomenon that is Barbenheimer, which is the Barbie movie, and the movie Oppenheimer by Christopher Nolan. So we're going to we're going to check out both of those movies. It's a little double feature, if you will. Uh, we're going to give us. Uh, we're going to give you our opinion on those movies and uh, tell you how we liked them. Uh, but first. Before we get into all that, we're going to do what we always do every week, and that's get into a little bit of what's going on in this crazy industry. This week in Movie News! Cue that intro. All right, all right, all right. We have a lot of great stuff this week in movie news. Our first bit of movie news. Barbenheimer has been doing great in theaters. Barbie and Oppenheimer have been slaying at the theaters, uh, which is great because uh, I feel like the theaters needed uh, revitalization. And uh, people got excited again. They're you know jumping on the bandwagon and going to actually see a movie in, a thea- in, the, in an actual theater. What do you think about that? It's awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, now, I mean, you know, hopefully this trend continues. Hopefully people get excited about seeing things in theaters. But like I said, in our last episode, when I was talking about the whole industry and whatnot, I mean, this is what happens when you have filmmakers who have a passion for what they do and they have a, you know, excitement about what they're making, uh, you know, not just making it solely to make money, but because they have like some kind of passion behind the project. And I think that gets people excited, you know? Uh, do you agree with that? A hundred percent, I agree. Uh, so according uh, to the numbers and whatnot, uh, both of the movies have been consistently delivering over 20 million and 10 million respectively for um, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um, the trend continued on Thursday as Barbie grossed 21 million and Oppenheimer added another 10 million to its domestic haul. Uh, after one week in theaters, um, Barbie movie... It made nearly $260 million, uh, in the United States. Well, uh, the Nolan film, uh, Oppenheimer, uh, made just under $130 million. And then uh, they say that uh, the Barbie movie is definitely on track to reach a billion. So it's, it's, uh, they say it's going to be like the highest grossing movie ever directed by a woman. So, I mean, this is great. I mean, both movies are doing great. Uh, you know, they're very successful. Uh, I, can't, I couldn't be more ecstatic. I thought, uh, yeah. I thought they were great. So we'll get into that. We'll get into that, though. Uh, continuing on with some uh, news, Quentin Tarantino was spotted buying tickets for the Barbie movie after watching 
Oppenheimer. So he's, he 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 uh, jumped on the the uh, the um, Barbenheimer trend. <laughs> what do you think about that? That's awesome. I mean, he's a man who loves his movies like we are. Exactly. And I bet he was... Way to go, Tarantino! (laughs) I bet he was specifically excited to see the Barbie movie because, um, you know, it has Margot Robbie feet and we know how, you know, he's a big foot enthusiast. So, uh, you know, I bet uh, bet he was eager to watch that movie. Just just not not to get too off topic. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Let's move on. Move move on from this. Yeah. Cillian Murphy, of course, who plays uh, Oppenheimer in the movie, uh, he said that he's down to play Ken in a sequel to the Barbie movie. Uh, he's been quoted as saying, let's see the script. Uh, let's have a conversation. So I think there'll be a, a funny crossover kind of uh, kind of referencing the whole pop culture phenomenon that's going on. Would, would you like to see Cillian Murphy as Ken? Definitely. <laughs> it'd be interesting. I mean, he's a great actor, and it'd be, it'd be funny to see him play it. That'd be funny if he played it, like, really dramatically, and uh, I think that would be hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And apparently, uh, the studios are eager to find their new Barbenheimer. Uh, some are saying that the next Barbenheimer is going to be Saw X, releasing at the same time as the Paw Patrol movie. I think that's that's definitely a stretch. It's not even close. I mean, uh, they're, they're definitely trying to force another phenomenon like this to get ticket sales, but that's just an awful pairing. No, 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 no. (laughs) Right. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) No. All right. Let's move on. Move on. Um, There's been some controversy. I don't know if you heard about this Um, during the Oppenheimer movie. There's, uh, you know, there's some gratuitous, well, not gratuitous, but there's some, uh, some sex scenes in Oppenheimer, it is rated R, and apparently during one sex scene uh, between uh, Oppenheimer and his girlfriend, played by Florence Pugh, uh, he is reading uh, some. Uh, uh, he's reading a book called the Bhagavad Gita, and it's a it's a religious text uh, for Hindus, and apparently that stirred a lot of controversy. Um, so apparently uh, Uday Mahokar, founder of the Save Culture, Save India Foundation, wrote, A scene in the movie shows a woman uh, makes a man read the Bhagavad Gita aloud while getting over him and, you know, performing sexual acts and whatnot. Um, and, he, you know, he, he basically he's saying that it's an insult to the culture. And uh, he's, you know, he was asking Nolan to remove that. Of course, Nolan defends his decision, saying that, uh, you know, the scenes were tasteful and it adds to the story and, and the character. What do you think about that? Do you think it was gratuitous or do you think, do you think it was warranted in the movie? I thought it was a little bit of both. You know, very, <laughs> very different for a Nolan movie because, yeah. you know, I didn't expect it. But, you know, uh, uh Big shout out to Christopher Nolan and his directing style. <laughs> I like how you're you're staying away from the controversy. It's, it's fine, you know. Uh, you know, I uh, I mean, I can see his point. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if that really happened in real life. And you know, did he need to include that scene where he was reading the book uh, while doing that? I don't know. Uh, but hey, you know, I'm not the you know award-winning director here. So I mean, if he felt that it was necessary in the story, it's I guess so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they have any plans of removing it. I know in certain uh, countries where it was released, they censored some of it. Like I know you're talking about this before the podcast, but they, they had digitally inserted a dress onto Florence Pugh's character. Yes, it was a CGI dress and (laughs) they, you know, put it on. And of course it was, uh, very, very different. However, um, 
this does not uh, afflict my opinion or affect my opinion on this movie because, however, I am a big, big Christopher Nolan fan. I saw Insomnia a while ago. Very, very awesome. I saw Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. Awesome movies ever. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a great director. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. And uh, hopefully we could just move on from this. But, uh, you know. It, it, it's hard. It's hard when you re- release movies internationally. There's always uh, a lot of considerations you have to take. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's t- it's a tough one. All right, all right. Moving on, moving on. Here's some movie rumor news. Uh, apparently, uh, during an interview uh, with Thomas Hayden Church, who played the Sandman in Spider-Man Three, among a lot of other stuff, um, he he said there was some speculation that he heard that Sam Raimi might be developing a Spider-Man Four. Of course, this is rumors. I mean, this you know that's been a rumor for a long time now. Um, what do you think? I doubt it. I doubt it's going to happen. But what do you think? It should be interesting. Very, very interesting. I mean, I would, uh, I would wish. That's my wildest, you know, dream of a movie to see a, a Spider-Man four where they redeem, and Sam Raimi redeems himself for Spider-Man three, uh, which you know, actually, I, it's grown on me over the years, and I actually enjoy it now. But um, he said, uh, Thomas Hayden Church said that there's always been some kind of, I've heard rumors that Sam Raimi was going to do another. Uh, with Tobey Maguire, and that if it happens, I would probably campaign to maybe at least do a cameo. So he's interested in being it if it does happen. That's um, awesome. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I doubt it's going to happen, but uh, um, only, you know, However, one, one can only wish. there was a rumor about uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man fighting Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. That would be cool. And, of course, um, Vincent D'Onofrio was on board with it, but uh, a lot of people were saying, <laughs> like, you know, I think it's it'll be a little too young for Spider-Man to be doing that because, I mean, it would be a little different, but it would be a little different, uh, you know, Daredevil-wise, a little bit, you know, a little different. I mean, I think it would work perfectly fine. I mean, uh, Kingpin was a Spider-Man villain before he became a Daredevil villain, so I think it'd be great to see them fight on screen. It'd be epic. Awesome. Um, definitely, definitely. All right, all right, all right. Moving on, moving on from this. Our next bit of movie news. Apparently, studios are doubling down on the use of AI, much to, uh, you know, writers and actors' chagrin. What does that mean, actually? Uh, so Netflix is offering up $900,000 for one AI product manager role. So that's insane. I mean, they could use that money to pay, you know, many uh, individuals, in, you know, as opposed to just paying one person to use utilize AI. It's ridiculous. Uh, Netflix has posted a new production manager role. Uh, for their AI machine learning program, and it pays, like I said, a whopping nine hundred thousand. Um, and it's, just, I don't know. What do you, What do you think? Do you think uh, it's right to use AI? I don't know. I mean, like you know, it depends on whatever the directors like to use or whatnot. But uh, I think it's really, really ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I I personally think that. I mean, well, well, it could be potentially used in their toolkit, I think it should not take over, uh, you know, people's roles in, in writing and in acting. And, you know, you're going to lose that human touch with make, which makes this industry so special. You know, it's, um, you know, we're, we're seeing people's creativity and passion kind of come out on screen and not, not all movies, but, but, you know, a lot of movies, you know, it's like people's, you know, stories that, that they've created, um, you know, 
culminations of life experiences that you know made into a you know a movie or a, or a TV show, and you're going to take basically steal all that, put it in a blender, and then just plop it out like some uh, like some digital vomit. Uh, no, I don't think that's that's uh, a good idea. And I'm 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 for limited limited use of AI. I think it's a, like I said a great tool, but it's definitely something that should not replace human beings. Uh, and apparently, Brian Cranston agrees. Um, Brian Cranston addressed uh, Disney boss Bob Iger during a passionate actor strike speech in New York City, saying, "I know, sir, that you look through this through a different lens. We don't expect you to understand who we are, but we ask you to hear us and beyond that to listen to us." When we tell you that we will not be having our jobs taken away and given to robots, we will not have you take away our right to work and earn a decent living. And lastly, and most importantly, we will not allow you to take away our dignity. So I think that's uh, that sums it up perfectly. Uh, I think, you know, creativity should be left uh, to the people. Would you agree? Definitely. Me too. I definitely agree. All right, all right, all right. Our next bit of movie news. Paramount CEO Brian Robbins says that they are moving away from releasing original animated movies in theaters, instead focusing on IPs, which is an intellectual property. So pre-established, um, you know, characters or stories. Um, and he said uh, he's been quoted as saying, uh, "We're not going to release an expensive original animated movie and just pray people will come." So they're banking on on, on taking like. You know, properties like, uh, I don't know, what Transformers or something and making a movie about that. And people know the Transformers name and whatnot. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you, do you, would you prefer to see original stuff on screen or do you want to see more um, pre-established characters? And uh, probably pre-established characters, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And then, of course, animated movies in you know, theaters, of course. But I get where they're coming from, you know. It's like, you know, they want to... You know, stop using AI. There was a talk about using minimal CGI, but the movie called Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. I heard that they didn't use any CGI, which is great. Um, but, the, yeah, the uh, I don't know. I think, uh, personally, I, I mean, I don't mind, like, them using, like, um, you know, pre-established IPs. I mean, there's certain ones that I, you know, I'm interested in. I want to see the movie, of course. But I feel like them solely focusing on, you know, using, uh, you know, pre-established characters and storylines and then not not even you know not even wanting to produce brand new ideas out of fear of losing money i get it i get it like the business decision wise but creatively it just seems so boring like you know come up with some new ideas you know uh so you you so you said you wouldn't mind seeing like more pre-established like intellectual properties on screen no i i wouldn't mind at all I have my own opinions. Yes, that's good. Yeah. And, of course, some of the critics have their own opinions. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this excitement of many, many movies yet to come. Well, there are there are many, many movies yet to come. Uh, apparently, Mattel has the same mindset. Uh, the uh, Mattel execs uh, are saying that uh, they have a bunch of movies planned based off their pre-established IPs, including... You know, uh, Barney, which I think we talked about it on a previous uh, episode. Barney, Polly Pocket. They're doing like a Magic Eight Ball movie. We'll get into those in detail in a little bit, but they're they're just digging. You know, after the success of the Barbie movie, they're just digging into their uh, treasure trove of crap, uh, and they're going to churn out some movies. Uh, most of them sound like they're going to be awful. 
but hopefully hopefully they're somewhat creative we'll see but uh uh so like i mentioned they're doing a barney movie produced by daniel kalua that i mean at least that sounds kind of interesting um like i said it's going to be an a24 type movie very surrealistic uh like a darker adaption and um some compared it to like being john malkovich or something like that have you seen that movie yeah, I have seen parts of it, and it's very, very interesting. So, I mean, that could be interesting. If they do movies where they do, it like, a twist on them, maybe. But, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, apparently, they're doing a Polly Pocket movie, like I said. Uh, it's going to star Lily Collins from um, Emily in Paris. Uh, and then they're also uh, doing a um, Hot Wheels movie uh, produced by J.J. Abrams. Uh yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Uh, it's going to star Vin Diesel. I don't know what the hell that entails, but I don't know. What do you think about a Rock'em Sock'em Robots It looks movie? interesting. Uh, I don't know. Uh, they're doing American Girl based off the American Girl doll. Um, they're doing a Magic 8-Ball movie. Uh, they said it's probably going to be a PG-13 thriller. So, I mean... Maybe it's going to be like a Ouija board type thing where someone shakes the magic eight ball and has creepy premonitions or something. I have no idea. Uh, Masters of the Universe. We talked about this. So they were do, they were originally going to do one uh, on Netflix, a, a movie, but it looks like they're going to do it like a an actual big screen uh, production here. So uh, they're probably envisioning it as like a new franchise and whatnot. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Major Matt Mason starring Tom Hanks. I don't know what the fuck that is, but <laughs> have you heard of Major Matt Mason? No, I have not. Uh, apparently, uh, Hanks will star as a Mattel astronaut action figure from the 1960s. Oh, that, that explains it. I should have read. Uh, who lives and works on the moon. <laughs> anyway, uh, they're making an Uno, an Uno movie. What does that mean? Uno movie. The top performing card game in the world will now become a movie. How? What is that going to be? I don't even know. They're making a wish. They're, they want to make a Wishbone movie. Like, that could be interesting. Remember Wishbone? Yeah, I remember Wishbone. That was a long, long time yeah, he ago. He goes on adventures and, and about books and stuff. That's going to be great. Uh, apparently, it's produced by Peter Fer, uh, Farrelly of the Farrelly Brothers, the guys who did Dumb and Dumber and all those movies. Uh, they're making a Matchbox movie. Like the 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 cars, the toy cars. Okay, I mean, aren't they doing a Hot Wheels movie? Did they need to do Matchbox and Hot Wheels? And then, what are they going to do? Matchbox versus Hot Wheels or some shit? I don't know. Thomas and Friends, the Th- Thomas the Tank Engine coming back. They should do a dark version of that. Like it's like their version of uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, but Thomas the Tank, <laughs> Hell Engine, Blood and Oil. I don't know. That'd be fun. Uh, Viewmaster. What the? What the hell they could do a Viewmaster movie? I have no idea. <laughs> Long before VR, there was a. This is a description. Long before VR, there was a picture viewer that was invented in 1930. Now, now, now in an adventure film based on the classic toy, an adventure film about Viewmaster. Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> and then the lastly, there's one called Christmas Balloon. Uh, writer Gabby Lugo, producer Chris Lemos. Not based on a toy, but based on a true story when Mattel donated toys to help make a young girl's dream come true after she tied her Christmas list to a balloon that was found by a grieving couple who worked with the toy company to fulfill the girl's wishes. Mattel looks to produce a family drama drawing from the story. I mean, at least that's like story-based, so I can see a movie about that. But Uno? Viewmaster? What the fuck? Anyway, 
that's uh, anyway, that's my rant. Uh, right, right, right. And then, of course, uh, you know, they're wanting to produce a billion Barbie movies and spinoffs and things like that. Um, uh, many of which I'm believing, I'm guessing they're not going to be as creative as the the first Barbie movie. Uh, and then, of course, Greta Gerwig says she has no plans to start on the sequel. So, regardless, with or without her, they're going to do one. So, I mean, if, if she not if if she doesn't decide to uh, go forward with doing the second one, they're going to do it anyway because it's such a big box office hit. So, um, we'll see. I bet this sounds like there could be some interesting ideas in there and there could be some potential garbage. So only time will tell. Would you agree? Yep. Time will tell. <laughs> All right. Of this whole mystery stuff. The mystery of life. Okay, let's move on. Moving on, moving on. Skylar Gazondo is currently the top choice to play Jimmy Olsen in Superman Legacy. I don't know if this is just a rumor or not, but he would be great. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this actor. Have you seen him in anything? Not really. He's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, he's He was in the Vacation movie reboot. Uh, he was in Night at the Museum. Oh, that's, that's right. That was him. Yeah, he's in Night at the Museum. He's um, I don't know if you've seen uh, Santa Clarita Diet. Uh, he's also in one of my favorite shows right now, the, the Righteous Gemstones on HBO. Uh, it's a great show. It has... Um, John Goodman, he's like the leader of this family who's like a, a big, uh, you know, uh, who own like a mega church. Uh, he, you know, he plays the, uh, Skyler plays the grandson of John Goodman's character. Uh, Gideon, that's his name in the show. But it's a great show. I recommend it for everybody. It's, it's pretty great. Uh, but anyway, not to get too off topic here. Yeah, so I think he'd be a great Jimmy Olsen. I, feel, I think he fits the bill visually. And on top of that, he's a he's a wonderful actor, very versatile. So I, I can I can see him in that role easily. So hopefully this is true. I'm um, looking forward to Superman Legacy. Uh, what you thinking about over there? I see you smiling. Uh, it uh, <laughs> looks interesting. Yeah. The guy playing Jimmy Olsen and uh, other stuff, you know. This day looks pretty, pretty interesting, if I may say so myself. Definitely, definitely. Uh, right, right. Moving on, moving on. Our next bit of movie news. The Emmys have officially been delayed as studios continue to refuse to pay actors and writers fairly. Uh, so another one bites the dust. Uh, what do you think? What do you think about this scene? Are you going to miss the Emmys this year? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't usually watch the Emmys. I, I, I look up the, the winners afterwards, but if, I, if anything, I usually watch the Academy Awards. Um, but uh, even then, that's a hit or miss for me. I'm just glad I watched uh, uh, you know, that one year where we got to see Will Smith slap Chris Rock live. Well, not, I don't know if it was live, but uh, we saw it happen you know, as everyone else did in the world, and it was great. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's old. That's old news. Not to get too off topic here. Uh, right, right, right. Uh, next bit of movie news: An iconic Beetlejuice statue was stolen from Tim Burton's set. Uh, the Vermont set of Beetlejuice Two has been struck by thieves who made away with multiple props, including an iconic statue from the first film. Uh, for anyone that's listening and not watching, it's it's the one that looks like a creepy like centipede. Uh, apparently, um, it was recreated for this film, and someone stole it. So. Uh, I don't know. What if they're using it as a back scratcher or a hat rack? I don't know. You can use it as many things, but uh, they got away with a piece of movie history there. So uh, what do you you think? Do you you think they'll get it back? 
Uh, I have no idea, you know, it's, it's, uh, one of those mysteries, you know, it's, it's like, you know, how did that ever happen? And how did it happen? I have no idea, but, um, I am speechless. So many thieves nowadays, people getting away with shit like that. It's, it's tragic, man. I mean, people steal anything. I remember like back, way back when the first Spider-Man movie was, uh, was being, uh, filmed, uh, someone stole some Spider-Man costumes from the set. That was crazy. I remember hearing about that. Uh, but yeah, but I digress. All right, all right, all right. Our last bit of movie news. Alleged sex pest Kevin Spacey has been acquitted of all nine sexual assault charges in London. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, it looks, uh, uh... Do you think, do you think he's actually, uh, innocent or do you think he just has good lawyers? Mm, oh, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I don't know, but, uh, you think... you know, Kevin Spacey is a really, really good actor, but... I didn't know. I did. I didn't know that he had. Uh, I had no idea that he wasn't going to be involved in this scandal or whatnot because yeah. he is a really, really good, famously good actor. He's a good actor. Legendary, but he, he, awesome, famous for the usual suspects. Yeah, he he's a good actor, but he runs around in in circles with some other uh, well-known Hollywood deviants. So, I don't know. I don't know. Is he innocent or is he OJ innocent? That's that's the question here. Uh, Kevin Spacey broke down in tears on Wednesday as a UK jury found him not guilty of nine charges of sexual assaults, um, indecent assault, and the most serious charge causing a person to engage in penetrative sexual activity. Uh, this means uh, that Kevin Spacey has been cleared of all charges. Uh, it took the jury two days to come to the decision. Uh, the former House of Cards actor has spent the past four and a half weeks um, fighting this uh, case. Uh, in a statement to the press after the trial wraps, Spacey said, I imagine that many of you can understand that there's a lot for me to process after what just happened today, but I would like to say that I am enormously grateful to the jury for having taken the time to examine all the evidence and all of the facts carefully before they reached the decision, and I am humbled by the outcome today. I also want to thank the staff inside this courthouse, the security, and all those who work, all those who took care of us every single day, my legal team for being here every day, and that's all I have to say for the moment. Thank you very much. I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, he's got away with it. Or no, maybe he's innocent. I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to speculations here. I don't want to get sued or anything. No speculations. No speculations. So, you know, I don't know. That's all I have to say about that, I guess. Uh, no further comments. You know. Anyway, anyway, I believe this brings a wrap to this week in Movie News. All right, let's get on with the show. So, uh, let's talk Barbenheimer for a second. So, you, you you did not see the Barbie movie. I did not. No, but you saw Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. And it was a surprising, explosive, fantastic <laughs> movie ever. Explosive. explosive is the operative word. Um, I don't know. What did you think about it? A lot of people are saying it's way too long. Uh, I mean, maybe the general consensus that, it, of course, it's a great movie, but... Um, what did you think about the length of it? Uh, it was uh, very, very unusual. Unusual? What does that mean? Uh, it's, I didn't know it was going to be that long. I mean, did you did you enjoy I, it, or did I, you uh, thought, did you feel did you feel the length of it? Did you think it was uh, it went on for quite a bit? I enjoyed it, but so uh, it didn't bother you at all. It didn't bother me. You know, it That's was good. a movie. You know, it, it, it talked about you know Oppenheimer and how he developed the atomic bomb and whatnot, and how it dropped on. Nagasaki and yeah. whatnot. It was all of this historical stuff. But what movie fans don't know about 
this movie is that the guy who plays Albert Einstein is, in fact, one of the guys in The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, really? And who is he playing in The Dark Knight Rises? He was one of the, the, the guys in the jail. He was one of the guys in the jail who was um, keeping Bruce Wayne alive. The leap to freedom is not about strength. My body makes the jump. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, Chris Nolan likes to use a lot of the ac- actors that he's comfortable with. You know, it would be funny if they got um, if they got Bane, if they got Bane to play Albert Einstein. E equals MC squared. You were born into this, but I was molded by it. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I, not to get too off topic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, no, no, that was great. Um, I, I just really like the you know how it shows the the implication. And the and the, like the repercussions actually is the word I'm looking for. The repercussions of uh, of you know creating such a a, a massive like uh, weapon, you know, and then how like that, that affects him. Like that's like the major part of it. Um, we really see like the anxiety and the terror when he realizes what what was created and whatnot. And I think they did a great job representing that. Uh, I mean, the sound and the visuals were phenomenal. Um, what did did you enjoy? Uh, like the sound design of it, I think it was really like epic. Like, oh yeah, I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, it, it was so like, it, man, it, like I felt like I was on a ride half the time because of the sound. I don't know if it was just because I was in the IMAX screening. I don't know if it's like this in the regular screenings, but the the sound just like rumbles your seats. Didn't and did you feel that in your theater? Kind of, <laughs> but um, the most strange thing about the movie is that Robert Downey Jr who is in this movie, which I didn't know about, he, you know, takes on the new character, and, you know, he's popular for the Iron Man movies, the Avengers movies, the whole Marvel movies and whatnot. He played Dr. Strauss, and I thought that his performance was very, very awesome. Yeah, he was great in that movie. Uh, And uh, Cillian Murphy, I think that's how you say it, Cillian or Killian, I don't know. Uh, Cillian Murphy, he was, uh, he's very impressed by uh, Robert Downey Jr. as well. Um... And then even Robert Downey Jr. said that he felt like this is the most important movie that he's been in, uh, in you know, in his whole history of acting. So, uh, would you say that lives up to his description? Oh yeah. I mean, it's great. I think it's great at showing a lot of the historical stuff. It's also great at showing a lot of the emotional stuff. I think it was a great mix of both. I don't want to spoil too much of anything, but uh, I mean, it's it's based on history, so you can. You, I mean, you, you'll probably figure out what happens out anyway if you, if you haven't seen it by now. But. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna go too much into detail about the the, the movie. Uh, it is very non-linear, and, and so it likes it likes jumping, you know, from past to present, and well, the present of that movie. And uh, you know, about uh, regardless, I felt like it was easy to follow. Um, did you like like the the shift between black and white and color? Oh yeah, I I loved it immensely. You know, it was very very good. You know, the the non-CGI way that they were going to do this movie was very, very fantastic, you know. You know, it's very, very awesome, very, very terrific, and uh, just awesome. You know, I hope this comes on Peacock, on whatever streaming services it comes on, because I kind of missed half eventually, of the movie. I think, I think it should eventually show up on Peacock, because it's universal, I think. I mean, but not for a while. I mean, it's doing great in theaters. I don't think they're going to spoil the theatrical run by putting it on streaming anytime soon. 
that's usually re- reserved for movies that don't do so hot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, what would you say you enjoyed the most about the movie? Uh, the action, the suspense, the thrill, the uh, great acting of Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, uh, Silly Pugh. Murphy, very, very awesome. He acted in a way like the Oppenheimer character acted. You know, it's very, very awesome to see him in this role. You know, of course, he is from, of course, he is known as the Scarecrow in the Batman universe. <laughs> So that was very, very awesome, the way that they just put him in the movie, and they said, you know, we're not going to use any CGI, we're going we're gonna to make everything all realistic. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, I love the ingenuity and the, you know, of trying to do stuff like that, because they could have easily just did a CGI and, like, explosion and whatnot. Uh, but they really try to capture everything in camera, and uh, definitely felt more realistic for it. Uh Although just just know going in, and they're not trying to spoil anything, but there's if you're if you're going in to see a bunch of explosions and action, uh, that's not what this movie is. It's a, it's definitely a more character driven. It's more uh, drama based. Uh, you know, like like I said about the repercussions of creating such a weapon and the fallout in in Oppenheimer's life. You know, after everything went down and his moral uh, dilemma about, you know, uh, such a weapon existing. And it goes into a lot of that heavily, you know. If you're waiting just to see nuclear explosions go off, you might be disappointed. But uh, if you really want to see a good movie with a lot of great dialogue, uh, a lot of creative filmmaking, you know, this is your movie. Uh, You know, and like I said, um, personally, uh, I I didn't uh, I didn't mind the three hour. Normally, when I think a movie overstays its welcome it's very annoying uh but yeah i mean it's you know it was it definitely used up all its screen time very well uh would you agree definitely i would agree with this because the way they use the screen time is awesome the way they film this movie is awesome they filmed it in different locations um matt damon who was in the movie awesome and they got matthew modine in, in the movie which is awesome uh-huh. Alden Emmerich, who played, uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but he played young Han Solo. He was in it as well. Oh, yeah. That he was did a great him. job. He's a great actor. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, so many so many great performances like all across the board. I mean, it's uh, I could definitely see a lot of Academy Award nominations coming up for this. But uh, I think that's like the strength of Nolan. He knows how to pick actors uh, to, you know, to really flesh out the characters that he's envisioning. You, even though they're based off of real people, you don't have like a full account of everything they're saying every moment and every, you know, day that's depicted in the movie. So you have to have those creative licenses. You have to have those actors can, that can kind of embody the, the character or the, you know, the individual and turn it into a character that's going to work for the movie. And uh, I think they all did a great job. There isn't really anyone that I thought didn't fit in there. Except maybe... Maybe Matt Damon. He was, I don't know. I just pictured him um, as, you know, like, where's Ben Affleck? You know? <laughs> He's the only one that seemed kind of like odd man out. But even then, like, I think he did an okay job. Uh, what do you think? What do you think about Matt Damon in that movie? Awesome role. He had some funny, he had some funny lines in the movie. That I didn't expect to laugh at all in this movie, but there were some, there were some kind of funny moments in Oppenheimer. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, like I said, it's mostly mostly character driven, a lot of a lot of talking and whatnot. So uh, just so just know that going in, I would say um, that's my fair warning about that. Uh, what do you think of the music? The mu- the music is epic. awesome. Very high octane. Very yeah. awesome. Very very suspenseful. Um, you know, just very very awesome. Very very. Um, just the movie was noir. Uh, full of mystery, full of suspense, full yeah, of you know. Yeah, it did have a lot I mean. of it did have a lot of mystery and suspense. There were some twists in there. I'm not going to reveal and whatnot, but uh, it was very good to see. Um, you know, it's I didn't expect to see. I didn't know a lot of the story about uh, Oppenheimer that way, and then the stuff that went down after after the the nuclear bomb test and all that. So it was very interesting to see what happened to him. Um. But yeah, I do agree when you mentioned the, about the music being high octane. It was very, very super intense. Uh, a little bit on the uh, on the too intense side sometimes. But uh, uh, I know I know I'm not the only one to say that. Um, uh, I was watching the the guys on YouTube, Red Letter Media, and they were talking about how it was a little uh, overbearing at sometimes, especially during the, their scenes where there's you know just guys talking in a room, and then they had the music like blaring like intense like it was like some action sequence and whatnot and they made a comparison to the movie 12 angry men and uh they even made their own uh christopher nolan cut of 12 angry men where they uh they put like loud like um <laughs> like like what the what's the the composer who did the, the music for this oh um uh I think it was Hans Zimmer. Was I'm it Hans Zimmer? Sure. But they they put some like uh, like really action type Hans Zimmer music over oh, twelve much. over twelve Angry Men. Yep. And it, and they made that comparison to Oppenheimer, <laughs> which is kind of like the music didn't really fit in that situation, and it would have worked better probably if it was just dialogue. But uh, yeah, I can see their point. I, you know, it, it definitely got intense sometimes. But I think it was trying to create that kind of sense of anxiety that Oppenheimer was going through. Uh, you know, just like I said, just the existential dread of like, where does, where's the world go from here? You know? And then that was the biggest message that I took out of it. Like, you know what, you know, I, it's, it's like what, uh, Ian Malcolm said in, uh, in Jurassic Park. And I don't know if I'm saying it exactly right. So I'm par- paraphrasing probably here, but he said, uh, they were so obsessed if they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And that's the whole Thing about the atomic bomb they were they were so obsessed with we need to do this before you know anyone else comes up with it but then it's like once you when once you once you put that onto the world there's no taking it back and it's like how far is it going to go and of course we know we know all the stuff that happened after with the you know the russians and the cold war and the threat of a nuclear holocaust i mean we still we still have a threat of that today you know north korea and all that so i don't know would you say the message is very poignant very 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 much yeah i mean i felt that throughout the whole movie like it's kind of interesting to see like where everything started and the whole you know you know how how that kind of unleashed a whole shift i mean just you know all these scientific principles and theories that they the scientists came up with over the years culminated into something that could potentially destroy the world. I mean, it's just insane. Uh, and I, I think the movie did a great job conveying that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I would definitely go recommend seeing it. What would you rate Oppenheimer? 
Out I would of, rate it a nine out of ten. Definitely, definitely. I would say I would say I would definitely rate it a nine out of ten as well. I could see this being a big Oscar, uh, an Oscar winner for sure. Um, and like there's and there's no way that it's going to walk away awardless. This is possible. Uh, I think it was great. Um, very, very great. And I think that Celine Murphy is going to win an Emmy for this movie. Oh, or an Academy Award. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not I, sure. I could see him winning. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely at least being nominated. But He's uh, going to be nominated or win sure. an Emmy. But all we have to say is congratulations, Celine Murphy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, it was great. And then, of course, uh, you haven't seen the Barbie movie, but I saw the Barbie movie <laughs> yesterday. And uh, it was fun. It was it was a fun movie. I, I would recommend watching it. Uh, you know, it's 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 interesting when you when you think you know of anything a movie could like that can be about. And you know, when you think like when you're making a movie about a product, you, you think it's going to be just solely like product placement. Which I mean, obviously they did a lot of that as well. But uh, it was done more like tongue in cheek, if you will. I mean, it was it was definitely interesting the way um, the way it was directed. Um, it definitely had, like I said, uh, that's the most important thing. I think mainly why people went to see it because it was such a creative idea. It wasn't your typical like uh, IP movie where you take it, you know, you take the character and you put him in situations that you would normally see them in. This was definitely out of the box. I would say. I think that's what made it great. And um, Greta Gerwig definitely did a good job of doing that. And uh, I think that's why this movie's it's it's blowing up so much you know it's not your typical corporate movie i think that's important it's like i was talking about in the last episode directors with visions i think that's most important like nolan had a vision for what he wanted oppenheimer to be and he executed it and same thing here uh, greta gerwig had a, a vision of what she wanted the barbie movie to be and i think she executed it to the best of her ability and it was better for it you know uh, it's a fun movie and it has like a lot of great messages in there a lot of people are complaining oh it trying to tear down the patriarchy and whatnot and they do mention that in the movie but i mean it's it's much more than that too it's about uh um you know it's about the the meaning of life it's about like finding yourself it's about um you know what am i here for what what's my purpose in life you know who am i you guys ever think about dying i think that you know those are some interesting um questions to be posed by a movie about a doll but uh, it did a great job of that and also kept it very lighthearted at the same time a lot of times when movies uh, you know have a, like a heavy message to them it can get overpowered and you lose sight of like the fun of it but this movie never lost sight of fun and it was um uh, you know it was, it was it, i like the way it was executed too the way the dialogue was it was almost like uh as if a kid uh was you know, coming up with it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I'm trying to insult the writers and whatnot. Like it was like, it's almost like the, the characters are so over the top, even in the real world. There's just, you know, um, of course, you know, I'm not spoiling anything you see in the trailer. Uh, Barbie exits Barbie land and goes to the real world in search of answers and whatnot. And, uh, you know, she, you know, she's getting chased around by the corporate, you know, head of Mattel and whatnot, trying to send her back to Barbie land. And uh, even even like the characters that are in the real world, they're very over the top, very like almost like a, it's like a kid acting out the dialogue and what, the way they're speaking. And I think it was I think it made it very fun. Will Ferrell's in the movie. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. He uh, he plays like the CEO. Of Mattel. He plays the CEO and he's <laughs> uh, very, very, you know, 
uh, funny in that movie. Uh huh. And I, I just love the visual style of it. Uh, they, they captured that uh, the very, um, you know, kind of neon pink plastic atmosphere, you know, that you would think. Uh, and it was just, I don't know, just uh, Ryan Gosling and um, Margot Robbie were so great together. And of course, you have a you know a lot of other actors playing the different variations of variations of Barbie and variations of Ken. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. I got us both ice cream. Cool. Hi, Barbie. 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 Hi Barbie. Hi Barbie. Uh, I gotta say though, my favorite character was uh, Michael Sarah. Hi Barbie. Oh, hi Alan. There are no multiples of Alan. He's just Alan. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused about that. He played a character that's like some obscure doll that was supposed to be like uh, Ken's buddy. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, I think uh, I thought it was a great movie. You know, it's just a fun watch. You know, nothing to take too seriously but it does have a great message and, and, and you know and, and, uh, you know not just one message either has like a you know many many great messages and i think uh depending on uh who you are you can take away whatever message you want from it uh but yeah th- i'm not going to spoil too much i want everyone to see this if you haven't seen it yet uh you know but yeah i'd say overall the the, the success of, of both movies is astounding Usually when you have like a meme like the like the whole Morbius meme, you know, it was like a that was like a phenomenon and like a whole meme thing. And it was generating like a lot of buzz online, but the movie didn't live up to the hype and it just totally deflated. Uh, but, that, you know, I was almost worried about, you know, something like that happening with Barbenheimer, but uh, it lived up to the hype. Would you agree? Yeah, it uh, lived up to the hype and everything about it, you know, people are wondering, like, you know. Whether to see Oppenheimer or uh, Barbie, the new movie. See them both. I mean, that's like, come on, jump on that bandwagon. It's not a bad thing, you know. Uh, and, you know, uh, normally I'm not a fan of just jumping on the bandwagon to jump on the bandwagon, but uh, you know, I, I I heard a lot of good things about these movies, uh, and uh, you know, it did not disappoint. So I would recommend both of them. I'd say, like I said, nine out of ten for Oppenheimer. I would say a good solid eight, eight out of ten for the Barbie movie. Uh, they were they were both great in their own ways. Um, what an interesting mix of! I think that's what makes it so fascinating too. They're so different. It's a juxtaposition of of of, uh, of two two totally different types of movies. It's like you know, it's like mis- mixing uh, sweet and salty together, and you get that wonderful flavor combination. I think that's what's so fun about it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely would uh, recommend these movies. Well, uh, you know, I believe that brings an end to this episode of The Men Who Watch Movies. Uh, It was fun talking about these. Uh, Like I said, I want to go too in-depth into them. I don't want to spoil anything. They're still out there in theaters, still still, uh, doing great. So I don't want to give away too much, but I recommend you go see these movies. Would you definitely recommend Oppenheimer? Definitely. I would recommend it. Yeah, and I would definitely. Thumbs up. And I would definitely recommend Oppenheimer as well and the Barbie movie. Uh, like I said, a lot of, lot of fun. Um, so go check them out. What are you doing if you haven't seen them yet? All right, all right. Um, so just remember, you know, we're, we're going to try and post every Saturday. I've been trying to post regularly, 
so far so good so uh so um expect a new episode uh every saturday uh you know we'll, we'll have a lot of fun talking about various movies and whatnot you can check us out you know right here on youtube or you know you can listen to us as an audio podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, or google podcasts uh you know we also post on instagram twitter also known as x now i don't know if you i don't know get into all that um but uh and we also have facebook uh you can check us out at men watch movies and uh you also have a channel yourself want to go ahead and yes uh, my channel is uh movie man behind the scenes yeah so subscribe for more content because i need a lot of subscribers <laughs> and a lot of viewers if you know what i mean oh yeah I mean, uh, I mean, that's pretty straightforward here. Well, like I said, um, it's been fun talking about these movies. Uh, and then hopefully we'll have some great content for you next week. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about yet, but we'll find, we'll find out. Let's find something great to talk about. We'll let you know. Yes. My name is Alec. And my name's DJ the Movie Man Wagner, also known as the CUE of the Man Who Watch Movies. <laughs> And we hope you join us again for another episode of the Men Who Watch Movies. But in the meantime, we got to remind you all to keep, keep on, on watching. watching. Thank you, everybody. I hope this video goes viral. Super viral.